Welcome to Crowdfunding Uncut. This is the place where incredible project creators show you how they launch their products online using the world's largest crowdfunding engines, such as Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Crowdfunding Uncut. I'm really excited to bring this guest on. For those who are familiar with Smart Passive Income Podcast, we have Pat Flynn on the line who actually just wrote a Wall Street Journal bestseller, Will It Fly? And I came across the idea to bring Pat onto my podcast when I realized that Will It Fly is all about how to validate your idea. And one thing that really bothers me about the crowdfunding space is that it's great to put up a project and validate your idea because as soon as somebody buys your offering, it means that there's a market, but not only validation, but building an audience. And one thing I find that it's this works in theory and all the successful crowdfunding campaigns have produced products where there is a definite need, but what you don't see is what goes into the preparation of a product launch. And as you know, if you've listened to a few of my other podcasts, this isn't crowdfunding is not just about launching a product and hoping somebody buys. It's actually about you putting time and money into planning a product launch and making sure that you are speaking to your customer properly, you have an audience, and most importantly, that you've validated your idea ahead of time because there's a lot more that goes into a project than just throwing up a Kickstarter page. So Pat is going to be walking us through um, in this awesome conversation exactly why validating your idea is important and not only that but why that your first step before you even decide to crowdfund is to validate your idea and figure out who your customer is and will they actually buy what you have to offer so pat i'm really excited to have you on the show today hey thanks for having me episode 43 yeah three yeah love it i know um i do one a week so i'm like can't i cannot wait to get up to number 100 200 you know oh you'll get there soon enough i know i'm sure thinking Uh, whatever so yeah (laughs) i mean for for people who are not familiar with your work smart passive income will it fly why don't you just give us a bit of a backstory of who pat flynn is sure i mean it's it's an interesting story you know back in 2008 i thought i was going to be an architect for the rest of my life until june 17th on the day uh, i was told i was going to be let go and that was a big crushing blow for me because like i said i wanted to be an architect for the rest of my life i was love i was loving what i was doing but of course 2008 that was a recession so i got let go and uh, to make a long story short i really was very lucky to have discovered podcasts at the time uh, which is why it's really cool that you know you have me on your show and you have people listening because this is really life-changing stuff and you know i hope people put into action and what they hear on the show, not just on this episode, but in other episodes and future episodes. Um, so I discovered a podcast after I had gotten let go called Internet Business Mastery. And this was a show where they were doing interviews. The, the hosts, Jason and Jeremy, they were doing interviews with people who were successfully building businesses online. And there was one particular show that I listened to that was very inspiring because it was about a guy named Cornelius Fitchner who was making six figures a year by selling study material for an exam called the project management exam. And that was sort of my big aha moment, my big light bulb moment, because I had passed a number of different exams on my way to becoming an architect. And there was one 
particular exam that was the hardest one of all that I knew that some people needed some help with. So I had built a website. I had uh, created study guides. And, you know, after a lot of uh, failures, a lot of wanting to give up and a lot of just, am I even doing this? Like, like why, why am I doing this? I should go back into architecture. Um, I was very lucky because I actually tried to do that and I couldn't because nobody was hiring. So I just felt compelled to keep going on this entrepreneurial journey. And then in October of 2008, I launched my ebook for $19.99 and I had sold hundreds of copies and made $7,908.55, which was completely mind-blowing, life-changing. It really changed my view of what was possible uh, from me, but also just in general in terms of online business because when I was researching online business after I started getting interested in it, I found and came across all these people who were just like – talking about the secret formula and the blueprints to success, push button overnight success with business. And, you know, the more research I did with those people, the, the more I realized that, you know, they didn't, the, they weren't kind of doing it in a way that I, that made me feel good. And so um, after I found success with what you can find now at greenexamacademy.com, which is that website, there's practice exams there, classes and whatnot and training there too. Um, a lot of people were like, how did you, how did you do that? Can you, can you show us how this is all done? And so I built smartpassiveincome.com in October of 2008 to talk uh, in a very transparent manner about how I got into online business, what I was doing, what I was doing uh, right that was working well, what I wish I had done differently. And since 2008, I've been uh, running just a ton of different experiments, trying new businesses, trying out new ideas, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. I call myself the crash test dummy of online business because I try things out and I put things to the test and you know a lot of times it doesn't work and sometimes it does. And either way, I always report back for my viewing audience for their betterment and uh, as any good crash test dummy does. And uh, now I, I just authored a book, it be, uh, self-published it, and it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. So I have this amazing community who's behind me uh, and, and I love them to death. I have a podcast that just passed 24 million downloads and a secondary podcast, which is uh, over 6 million downloads. So that's over 30 million uh, in total, which is kind of crazy because I'm, I'm, I'm just a dad of two and a, and a husband here in San Diego, California. I'm literally in my home office right now. Just put our daughter to sleep. Uh, she's three years old. I have a son who's six. I'm, you know, out of all this, the most important thing and the most beneficial thing, not only am I able to serve a lot of people through the internet and what I do and the books and the public speaking that I do, but I'm here for my family. I'm here at home. I have a flexible schedule and I'm able to um, build work around the life that I want and not try to make a life around the work that I do. So that's kind of what I'm all about and I'm here to just provide as much value as I can. And I'm really excited to talk about this validation stuff because I think especially for crowdfunding, um, it's really important. A lot of people think that crowdfunding is the first step, but there's obviously a lot of things that need to happen before that. Yeah, absolutely. And just before we get into that, why is smart passive income important for you? Well, it's important for me because it allows me to share my expertise, share my skills, share my journey, and also get rewarded for that because in doing so, I get to provide value to others. And that's kind of the business model that I teach. The more you serve others, the more your reward will come your way. Your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. And passive income is is, is important because it's sort of it, – it, it denotes – 
automation. It it denotes flexibility and freedom, of course. But the smart part of it is is actually in the approach of how to do that. Now, there's a lot of definitions for passive income. Mine is being able to build businesses that work for you, that you can automate, that allow you to not have to trade your time for money. But you are investing time up front, working hard now. And there's there's no such thing as overnight success. It does take a lot of work, unlike what some of these other gurus uh, that I was trying to figure out when I first started out or saying um, the smart part of it is actually taking the right approach so that you can kind of build these businesses in a way that work for you but also do it in a smart way that's actually going to last a really long time for you yeah and you mentioned that when you were first getting started online that you published an ebook that did really well what is what was that ebook about it was literally a study guide on how to pass this exam, um, 73 pages worth of content that people had to memorize to pass this exam. And I um, took information that I learned about the exam and studying for it and condensed it into um, what I thought was the most condensed version of a study guide um, in this realm as possible. And it was just what I knew about this exam. And the funny thing is, like, when I sold this book, you know, I had built this audience on my website, uh, greetingexamacademy.com. I, I wasn't at an expert necessarily. I had passed the exam, but I didn't get nowhere near as a perfect score on it. But because I was the one posting information about it, because I was giving a lot of that information away for free, I was seen as as the expert. And that just showed me that, you know, if you want to provide information to others, you can be seen as an expert as, as long as you just know a little bit more or a, are a little bit further ahead than, uh, than, than somebody else. And that's that's really what uh, building a business is all about. It's providing those solutions and just knowing something and being able to create something that somebody else can use who has a problem that you can potentially solve. Uh, so yeah, when I, when I first started out, it was definitely a, a struggle, but um, that book, uh, which was literally just a PDF file sold through eJunkie, which is a digital goods delivery service, so people could come to the site, purchase the book, get it automatically delivered to them after purchase, and then money goes into my PayPal account. And it was it was, it was was completely life-changing and you know, it's crazy because every time I tell this story, it just reminds me of how far I've come and how much I've learned. I mean, I, in the beginning, I struggled a lot. And what really helped me was not only the podcast I was listening to, but all the questions I asked. I think that's one of the big things. And one of the things I teach is if you don't know, ask. I mean, I struggle with trying to figure things out all on my own. And I was, I don't know if it's because I'm a dude and guys <laughs> don't like ask for directions or whatever, uh, but that's kind of who I was. And I wanted to try and figure things out on my own. And I was on YouTube for 10 hours a day trying to learn all this stuff that I didn't necessarily need to learn about or I just I could have asked somebody for help or paid somebody for help uh, to do it much faster and quicker for me. So yeah, a lot of lessons learned over time and that's a, a lot of those lessons are packaged into what is now my book and my website and my podcast. Um, but yeah, it's so, it's been a crazy journey. It's been a lot of fun though. Yeah, I can I just imagine. One thing that is interesting is uh, you probably get this question off air a lot, but you're the, you're the passive income guy. So why write a book on validation as opposed to the ultimate guide to creating passive income and selling that? <laughs> well, because I, I don't think that ultimate guide to selling to, to creating passive income exists because for every person it's a little bit different and a lot of it has to do with the beginning parts of your journey and what do you want to do, what are your talents, what are your special abilities that you can do to sell, help serve others. And so to create a guide really, um, I mean, it, it, it's it's not it's not something that a book would really help with. You would need more something like a course or accessibility to a workshop or something like that. Um, so the book I really wanted to start out with, with validation, because that is by far what I know my audience needs the most help with. Because a lot of people in my audience, I've surveyed them, I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with hundreds of them. Uh, the number one 
thing they have that's stopping them from starting their business or, or finding success is the fear of not knowing whether or not that thing they're going to work out work on is actually going to pay off for them. You know, a lot of us only have so many hours during our day to spare for our own business. And so, uh, you know, when you, when you consider your sleep and then the work that you have, if you have a nine to five job, plus if you have a family and just working out or, or, or other activities, I mean, you, some people only have one or two hours during the day to focus on themselves and their own thing. And uh, a lot of people are scared that, you know, they're just going to be wasting their time. And so that's why I wrote this book, because I wanted to make sure that people knew that there was a way, a method to actually know whether or not this idea you have is actually one worth putting all that time and effort and money into. So as opposed to working on something, hoping and and, and just guessing that this is what your audience wants, um, to actually validate that by actually getting paying customers up front for that idea, which is similar to what crowdfunding is. But there's a lot of things that people who are in the crowdfunding space can do even before they get on Kickstarter to validate their idea, to make sure that they're getting into something that is actually um, that actually stands a chance because the worst thing would be to work on something for uh, quite a while, sometimes years, put a lot of money into it and just to look back and say, man, I wish I didn't do it that way or I wish I went into something else. And so that that's why I created Will It Fly. That's why I think validation is really important because you can get that confidence and know that what you're working on is actually going to pay off. Now, of course, it's more. It, there's a lot more to it than just validating your idea. There's actually creating that idea, creating your campaigns, executing on it, and then follow up and all that branding and that, that sort of thing. So that's just part of it. But if you don't have a good idea, all of that's worth nothing, right? Or all of that's for nothing. Yeah. And uh, so that's, not, that's why the validation part is such an important step. And I found that when even people get one single customer through working through the exercises in the book and actually validating their, their idea, man, that just pr- provides so much more motivation than shows them that, man, this can be done. And then they take some of those bold actions then that are necessary to build a big business because that's really what it takes. You need to take these bold, big, bold actions and a lot of us fear doing so because we're afraid of what's on the other end. But even just a little bit of success to motivate you can, can go a very long way and it just shows you, hey, you have customers out there that need you and you need your service, need your product, need, need you. Um, and so getting that up front is, is going to be huge. Yeah, and I mean, I've, um, I got sold into validating your idea way before I got involved with crowdfunding and it was when I listened to a Mixergy interview from Andrew Warner, um, mm-hmm. Sam Ovens, when he was talking about how he burned through thousands of dollars of his own money to create this thing that nobody wanted. And I don't want to talk about Sam. I want to talk about you. And when I was talk, uh, reading the book, you had a great story about the WordPress plugin. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Can we hear more about that? And that this is why you need to validate? Right. Yeah. This, I mean, this is a personal experience of mine. And uh, again, partly why I wanted to write this book so people didn't go through the same experience. Well, in 2010, I had a couple of friends in completely different spaces who were building WordPress plugins. Uh, these are premium WordPress plugins. Yes, WordPress plugins are free, but you can also build premium ones that you can then sell uh, for X amount of dollars and people would use them to enhance their website in one way, shape or form. Uh, well, I had two friends that were kind of building them right around the same time and we're actually going to launch them a month from each other and they both did and they crushed it they were each making uh, they, they each made about uh, two or three hundred thousand dollars in their launch and continued to make hundreds of thousands of dollars after that and so you know i see this and i'm in the wordpress space i i talk about WordPress as a, as a platform for building your business on or blogging on or podcasting on. And so my eyes were like googly eyes with, with dollar signs coming out of them, right? I was like, oh my gosh, there's a huge opportunity here. I need to get in software like, my, like these guys. So I completely rushed into the process because I was chasing the dollars and 
by far, that's the number one mistake that I've always made in the past uh, is chasing the dollars first and not really paying attention to who I'm building for and what it is that I'm doing for that, that particular group or market. And so what I did was I, I found a developer because I knew I needed to get one eventually. And I just had, I came up with two ideas for WordPress plugins that I thought were going to be good ideas. These were things that, you know, I needed help with and I, I figured, hey, if I need help with them or these things could help solve a problem for me, they could help solve a problem for other people. I just assumed that. And, and, and building a business on assumption is, uh, is bad. So, so that's why you need to validate so you know what's going on. And so what was supposed to take Three to f five weeks, based on the quote, um, took about three to five months because there were a couple things that I did wrong. One, I rushed into it and I didn't even fully uh, flesh out what my idea was. You know, I, I knew what I wanted it to do, but then when you when you get down to the details and you start working with a developer, as a lot of you probably know, you really have to know the ins and outs of what it is that you are trying to create. So I, a lot of things were were just in question, and I didn't I didn't know what I was getting into, and I had made the mistake of not even wireframing the thing. Again, I had just completely rushed into it. I thought it could be just you know you pay a developer X amount of dollars, and eventually you have this thing on the other end that you could sell and make millions from. Well, that's not what happened. I ended up uh, investing about fifteen grand total uh, in, in in that amount of time, and and you know these ideas which finally were done. Uh, by the end of three, uh, three to six months, um, the, each of those plugins took a different period of time. Uh, I then shared them with my colleagues and some people in my audience, and the reaction was just, eh, I wouldn't pay for it. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I finally realized that I was just building something based on what I thought was right or thought people would pay for. I did nothing to validate that. And if I had only spent even just a day or two having those same conversations on the front end of this process, I could have easily uh, saved that money, saved a lot of time, stress, and also potentially started talking to them about, well, what what they would pay for so that I wouldn't have to be guessing anymore. So that was a, a big hard lesson learned and a lot of time taken away from my life. I feel that I can't get back, but I am happy to pass that on to others because um, that's it's a, it's actually a pretty common mistake to actually just jump into something like that and get you know super excited in the beginning process. But when you are going through it and you, re you really want to make things work, um, you, you have to know if they're going to work first. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds painful, what you went through. And by then, or not by then, but at that time, you know, I wasn't making the kind of money I was making today. So it was a, definitely a, a big blow and, a, you know, definitely a big blow to my ego and, and all that stuff. But it also was a, a kind of bring Pat back down to earth kind of thing. And that, that is when I started to really focus on, okay, if I'm going to build something and it's going to be big and I want to sell it, uh, let's make sure people want to buy it first. And then I ended up selling another plugin uh, several years later and going through the process, slowly validating it over time and actually going through the process of getting a beta group and actually testing it out with them first and that sort of thing the right way. And this is what you can find at smartpodcastplayer.com. It's my podcast player software that I built, um, not just for myself, but for other people. Awesome. And I thank you. Thank out. you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're making hundreds of dollars a day with, uh, in new sales and it's, it continues to grow and, um, people are, are sharing it and it's awesome because it was built in the right way. It was built, uh, with the target audience in mind and with their direction. And even with the beta group, we survey them in terms of what new features should be added instead of just, again, piling everything into one product and selling it and just kind of shouting from the rooftops, hoping people would buy. Yeah. Now, when you created the podcast player, you had a bit of an audience around you. Now, mm -hmm. generally, I mean, not all the time, but 
uh, people who are looking into launching a product online with crowdfunding don't have an audience. So how would you, okay, this is going to be a load of questions. So if you could go back to your first WordPress plugin and when you didn't have an audience, what would be the first step you would tell yourself to do to start validating it and make sure you, you know, just if you could redo that over, what would be that yeah. step? Right. Uh, the first thing I would do would be to uh, talk to people who use WordPress and see what their problems are and see what I could do to discover a common theme throughout all of them that I could potentially create a solution for. Again, I'm not even starting with my own ideas. I'm starting with the problems that exist. And so in, in, if I could go back and do it right, I would pick a particular uh, niche, I guess you could say, or a particular market with, with those who use WordPress um, and just really discover what their problems are. Again, I'm getting more narrow, and I think the more narrow you get, the more success you'll have, uh, at least at the beginning. Uh, something I say in the book that I, that I share all the time is the riches are in the niches. And if you could really be the one that that group of people always reference, always talk about when it comes to that particular problem they have to help them uh, through that, then, then, then it's, a, it's a win. I mean, if you try to build a business or a product and, and crowdfund a product that's going to serve everybody, you're actually going to serve nobody. And it's totally okay to start narrow and then grow out from there. I know a lot of people, even on Kickstarter, who had started narrow with one particular product for one specific group of people and then have since kind of expanded out and uh, kind of horizontally try to get more people into their space. But it happened because it, it, it even almost is like, like Tesla, the way Tesla has built their empire now. You know, they started with the Tesla Roadster, which uh, you don't even see or is around anymore, but super high-end vehicle just to initially prove the concept that an electric vehicle could work and that people would pay money for it, right? That was the first step. If they couldn't do that, then there was no point in creating the Model S and the one that uh, sort of the sedan that everybody uses, uh, you know, more luxury vehicles still, mm -hmm. still high-end. Um, but then that proved that, okay, people who have families who are who work they they will pay for a car like that and cuz the it was proven by the roadster that it could still be fast it could still be sleek and still look good um initially people thought electric vehicles were like just these putt putt kind of vehicles that kind of just ran on solar power but again it was a step-by-step -step process. And then once we got to the Model S and the Model X, that's when now we've seen just recently Elon Musk pre-sell the Model 3 in the largest, what I would say is a semi-Kickstarter-like campaign ever done in the history of any products in the world. He sold, he pre-sold the S3 for $1,000 um, for just the reservation of an S3, which comes out in the next two years. Uh, it's going to be about a $35,000 electric vehicle. But because of the success of these previous iterations, it is now something he could do. If he just went to market initially with a $35,000 car without a actually proving these other concepts beforehand, it would have been a dud. But now 325,000 people paid $1,000 just to have a reservation for it. And if you put all the money that that would actually end up becoming down the road, if, if all of them paid through, that's a $10 billion uh, kind of crowdfunding campaign, I guess you could say, um, which is kind of crazy. But Again, it's same same process. So in an iterative manner, actually going through and actually validating these concepts beforehand before actually going going big, and that's kind of what you're doing here. It's it's sort of like I don't know if uh, you, you saw me talk about this in the book. Uh, the whole concept of like what MythBusters do, yeah. you know, they 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 take this idea that people say is, and you know, it's just a myth, but they want to test it. So they use scientific proof to actually 
determine or confirm whether or not that thing is actually true or not. And they use real numbers, real proof, real data, real science behind it. And a lot of times when they do these big experiments, they often scale them down into a very small controlled environment. And they do that, which is what we're doing here when we validate. We just, we're just grabbing a sample size of our audience just to see how people react to it so we can understand what's going on before we share it with the entire world. And with a small group of people, you can then determine, well, what to fix or what's, what's broken or what's the right messaging. And so many things can happen when you do that before you finally are, are satisfied with what goes on in that small-scale experiment and then bring it up to the large-scale model. Yeah. Now, I was speaking to a lady a couple weeks ago um, when I was screening her to see if uh, we could work together. And... Uh, standard question, what's your product? And she, and she said, it's this thing, um, like medicinal, whatever. I said, okay, cool. What does that product do? And then she goes on to list about 25 different things this thing does because she, what she is trying to do is cater this medication to everybody. Mm. And what I said is how can you market that? Cause if you look back to how Google works, when I'm looking for something specific, I'm going to Google like, um, squatty potty or i'm going to google like uh product for x and if you are broad you'll never be that one main thing that you're gonna be known for right right it's it, there's a story um that i was told once where it's like you know you go to the mall right you go to the mall and how many different kinds of shoe stores are there there's like the running shoe store the athletic store the one with the casual shoes there's a, there's a walking shoe company there's the one with the crocs there's the one for kids like they're all different right um and then there's the shoe pavilion and there's Payless shoe stores there's the walmart and the ones where you could get all those kinds of shoes there but if you are a runner and you want running shoes and you want to go to somebody who's going to give you running advice and give you the best shoe for your feet when you run your half marathon next month, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to the one that has all of them or are you going to go to the one that is the specialty store that you know is going to have that information you need and it's going to have the right product for you? Exactly. And the reason I brought that story up is because a lot of time people will have an maybe not a niche or they'll have a product and they'll have an idea of maybe who they can fit to fit the fit that mold right but if you're trying if if they listen to this interview and say okay well i need to find my niche or focus on the one or two problems i'm solving how can people find out what these problems are yeah, it's interesting. And before I get into that, this the story that you told about the the medicine thing and solving everybody's problems, it reminds me of this uh, story I was told uh, way back in the day about this guy who invented this sort of bug spray that killed like almost all kinds of bugs. Um, and instead of marketing marketing it like this person was marketing it, like oh here's a spray that can kill all bugs, he actually took the same formula and bottled it into mosquito killer, ant killer, spider killer, silverfish killer whatever killer, you know, and people who were in their houses who had spiders, they knew that that one was going to kill the spiders because that was told that that's what it was going to do. Um, and he just made a crap load of money as a result of doing it in that way. Um, so it's kind of the opposite approach, actually. Um, but anyway, in terms of uh, finding out what those problems are, I mean, there's I have a number of exercises in the book that could be really helpful. 
the number one thing that I would go to is, is actually having conversations and just what it's called idea extraction. So having conversations and talking about, well, what are the, what are the things that they don't like doing? Um, some questions that you can ask are, well, what's something you do every day that you just absolutely hate doing? Um, this is a great question to ask for uh, to small business owners because you'll often get, oh, I hate doing this one thing I need to do every day. I wish there were, and they'll even tell you what the solution is. Oh, I wish there was an app that would allow me to do this. And a lot of times that's where these ideas for apps come from because somebody just literally tells them what, what they need and then they, of course, validate that with other businesses. Um, there was uh, a woman who I featured uh, in, the, in the back of the book. Uh, she um, validated her software to help studios for yoga people uh, or yoga studio owners actually get their yoga classes online for their students and to grow their audience that way. Um, and she talked with, I think, 86 different yoga studio owners and most of them were like oh we we're we're looking for a way to get our classes online for people when you know sometimes people travel and they still want to get the classes with the same teachers or you know there are people out there who just can't come into the studio and they still want to get their lessons well she validated that idea now she has a business that has uh, hundreds of clients or hundreds of customers who are paying a monthly recurring income to have access to her software all who are, are yoga studio owners and then now she's getting other kind of gym owners, CrossFit gym owners and other kinds who are getting involved with her product now. But she specifically targeted yoga people first because that was the world she came from. That's what she knew and uh, that and she felt like she could kind of relate based on the languages and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of that was kind of a, her progression. Jennifer Barcelos is her name. And um, that, that's a really good story. And I think that's one that a lot of people can learn from, um, you know. You got to get into the trenches. You can't just expect to uh, read an article somewhere and get an idea from that. Yes, you can get a seed idea and then validate that, but you're going to still have to have conversations with people. If I was starting from scratch, I would find a market that needed help, perhaps one I have some interest or, or, or some sort of connection with, and just talk and have have as many conversations with people as possible. Uh, another question that you can ask is, well, if you had a magic wand, and you could do anything in your business to help you uh, succeed or help you through the day, what would it be? What would you change? What would you change? Uh, change? Um, there were, there's another one where, which is uh, what's, what's a piece of software you use every day and how does it actually help you? That's to get an understanding of the kinds of tools they use already and the kinds of things they're looking for. Um, so when it comes to Kickstarter stuff, I mean I, there's obviously a lot of different categories uh, related to Kickstarter and Indiegogo. But if, if it's a physical product, what I would do is actually talk to people, get a list of the different problems that they have in a particular market, and then pick one and validate that. And by validate that, I mean actually get people on the phone or in person, talk to them and show them this solution you have to their problems. And uh, for physical products, actually create some sort of prototype or a 3D rendering of it just to give them some tangible thing that they can talk about. And that's really what you want them to do. You don't necessarily need them to pay you at this point. You need, just need them to talk about it because when you talk about it with other people, you're going to get some insight from others, and that's really, really important. And a lot of people, when I tell them this strategy, I even talk about it in the book, it's like go talk to other people first. They often say, well, I don't want other people to steal my idea. Well, I already told you the story of what happened when I didn't talk to people first. And the benefits of talking to people and getting that feedback from them, that initial guttural reaction and seeing what that's like and getting them, getting them excited about it and talking about what other things can be done differently or added onto it. It's going to be so 
worth it compared to the potential for somebody to steal your idea. And you know what? Most people will not do that because you're the one that's actually working. You're the one that is going to put in the action. A lot of people like to talk and maybe they'll have the idea of actually, oh, that's a great idea. I should do that. But they won't do that. You're the one that's actually putting in the work. You're the one that's focused on becoming an entrepreneur and succeeding with a campaign. And so the benefits of talking are just far outweigh the benefits of just keeping it in. Now, my last, well, second from last question is kind of two-pronged. I was doing an interview with someone a few hours ago, and I mentioned that I was having you on my podcast. And I said, Cam, do you want me to ask Pat anything? Because he really looks up to you and has been a follower of yours for a while. He said, "Um, what inspires you to keep going when the haters tell you that you can't do something? And that is a two-pronged question going from smart passive income and what you wanted to do with your aspirations before you got big, but also when you sit down with someone to validate your idea and you get some negative feedback. Like, how how do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, haters and trolls and people who would even leave sometimes pretty constructive criticism but just be a little bit harsh with it, um, it would bother me. It, it would bother me quite a bit and I would take it to heart and sometimes I would spend two or three weeks just not doing any work because I would just keep thinking constantly about those comments or what those people were saying and really taking it personally and then you know that that uh, imposter syndrome would would kind of set in where I feel like maybe I'm a maybe I'm a fake maybe maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing um, this this you know it's just it's just all bad um, and I finally realized through mostly talking with other people who have experienced haters and trolls and this kind of negative feedback before that this is just a part of the natural process of doing awesome stuff. When you take bold actions and you take you do awesome things, there's going to be a group of people out there who just for whatever reason don't like seeing that and they'll 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 act up because of it. Um, a lot of times it's because they see something that they're not able to do or they don't have the guts to do and they just want to make themselves feel better about where they're at. It's often a problem with the person who's saying those things not not yourself. Um, another piece of advice that I got was, you know, every second you waste on a hater or a troll or just spending all this time thinking about all the bad stuff that people are saying uh, is a second that you are taking away from those who can actually benefit from what you have to offer. And that, to me, was the biggest thing because then I realized, wow, there are actually a lot of people out there who do need my help. And I look at my inbox and I have a specific folder in my inbox for people who have uh, benefited from my work in one way or another that my assistant puts into there. And I will go into there a lot because a lot of times I, um, you know, not... I, I feel like I've, I've, you know, I have my good fair share of haters and whatnot, and I think everybody in this space does, or everybody does. I mean, even like I said, Elon Musk does, and Steve Jobs, and all these great people. Um, they're they're going to be there. Uh, but for me, what helps me is when I look at the people who actually are benefiting from my work. Then it just shows me that all the other negativity doesn't matter. I mean, this is this is my house. This is my life. This is my blog. This is my podcast. This is my business. This is my product. Like, if you don't like it, that's fine. Um, Get out of my house and let me help those who actually want to be served. Um, so, so that's that's how I approach that. Now, when you're first starting out, it could be pretty tough for sure. But that's why I highly recommend getting involved with things like mastermind groups or meetups and just really connecting with other people who are doing similar things to you. Not necessarily in the same space, uh, although that can be very helpful, but just other people who are trying to do awesome things too. Uh, I'm in two mastermind groups that each meet weekly. We hold each other accountable. We share with each other what our goals are, what our struggles are, and everybody's brutally honest with each other in a very respectful way. And, um, you know, it's not always stuff that I want to hear, but it's stuff that I need to hear all the time. So, uh, that, that's the advice I would give on that. I love that. 
Now, my last question is for anyone who wants to get in contact or find out more about your work, where's a great place to send them? Uh, sure. Thank you. You know, I feel like we've just only hit the surface of all I this. I, I mean, we could talk about this stuff for hours. Um, of course, all that stuff is uh, that I talked about, about validations in the book. So if you wanted to check out the book, you could go to willitflybook.com. You can get it on Kindle, the paperback, or you can even get it on Audible as well. Uh, you can also check me out at smartpassiveincome.com, of course, or hit me up on Twitter at Pat Flynn. I'm at Pat Flynn on most social media places, uh, except Snapchat. For whatever reason, somebody took that one. So that's Pat Flynn SPI. Uh, but anyway, I'm just happy to, to serve and, and uh, hopefully I can connect with some of you guys in the future. And best of luck to all of you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. And as a reminder, be sure to go to crowdfundinguncut.com. And if you're looking to connect with other project creators and get free insider tips from yours truly on crowdfunding, join our private Facebook group. It's Crowdfunding Domination. You can find a link for that on the website. And until next time, bye. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.